It's a rite of passage. We had to do it in our day. It'll all be over soon. It'll just flow when you're in there. FM 104's Leaving Cert Survival Guide with the Institute of Education. With only the info that you want to hear to help you ace your Leaving Cert. Welcome to episode 6 of the Leaving Cert Survival Guide. I'm Tara Murray from FM 104's Total Access. And I'm Crossy from the Strawberry Alarm Clock. We've teamed up with the Institute of Education in Dublin and some of Ireland's best health and wellness professionals to give you a crash course in all the useful information you need to make the Leaving Cert exams that bit easier. Each Monday and Wednesday we have been speaking to some of Ireland's best teachers who'll be giving us some of their vital tips and tricks that will help you with your exams this June. If this is your first time listening in, make sure to check out all our previous episodes that we've covered, including English, Maths, History, Irish and much, much more. Tara, the Leaving Cert is officially three weeks away from today. Can you believe it? I can't get over it. I feel like it's well and surely just crept up and all of a sudden it's just in our faces. Part of me, I feel like I'm on part of it now. And I think that every day the exam comes out, I want to see what's in the paper. Just from everyone we've spoken to over the last while, they've kind of brought me back into the whole part. I know you're probably listening to this podcast now going, the cheeky you don't have to do exams. <laughs> but still, I feel like I'm part of it. We're on this journey with you at this stage. I feel like so much talk has gone on and so much prep has gone on to preparing you guys for the Leaving Cert that now I'm sweating thinking, right, exam- I never thought I'd actually have to feel that ever again. Do you know what I mean? Surprise, Surprise. We're, we're, we're doing the exam now. <laughs> Today on the podcast, we're going to be looking at geography with Michael Doran from the Institute. Michael is the author of the recently published Geography Extra, an exam-focused handbook designed to help students achieve top marks in the Leaving Cert higher-level geography exam. Michael has been teaching at the Institute since 1995 and is one of the country's most experienced geography teachers and examiners. We also spoke to Irish international runner Brian Gregan about the importance of setting goals to help you achieve success inside and outside of school. Brian is gearing up to compete in the Tokyo Olympics in 2020 and he spoke to us about how a solid routine and good preparation can give you the competitive edge in all walks of life. So did you have any goals, Tara? How did you work it out? Do you know what? I don't actually think I did specifically set out goals. My goals in the end were more just kind of like what course I wanted. Do you know what I mean? And what points that I wanted. So I suppose the only way that I was able to actually do that was literally face in books. I just kept telling myself, I was like, Tara, it's a year. Cop on. Get it together. I know people give out sometimes um, about the highlighter, but I found highlighting stuff for me was great because you know like the day before the night before if you're not listening to our podcast <laughs> you just run by and go okay that's highlighted vroom, vroom, vroom. see and I tried me, I tried to do that as well but then the entire book was highlighted <laughs> and then I was like well this kind of defeats the purpose I could just read it oh no oh, no. for me it, it worked miracles for me absolute miracles and another thing for me with my CAO I put down three things that I was like mm, I might do it and I ended up having to do one of them Oh, so there's always, you know, for me, the goal was just say the top four. I put down three that I was like, mm, I could probably get in the back door through the others. And I ended up having to go through the back door. Yeah, there you so, go. Yeah. There's always a scenic route. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, first, let's speak to Michael Doran. Dublin's hit music station, FM 104. We are now joined in studio by Michael Doran to speak about this summer's geography exam. Uh, what can we expect uh, to see from the exam paper, Michael? Well, students need to be familiar with the layout of the exam paper and they should revisit uh, all previous exam papers so that they they won't get any shocks in terms of what they're facing. So they'll um, they'll open up with the, the sets of short questions, the 12 short questions, followed by the three re- the physical questions, which they're picking one, followed by the regional section, which they're picking another one. And then there's two elective sections, but they're only picking one of those two sections. And then when they get past those, 
they've got the option sections, which most students are opting for geoecology. So it's a long paper. How would you recommend students divide up their time and what to focus on and what to give specific amounts of time to? Uh, well, the exam itself is two hours, 50 minutes, which is 170 minutes. So to be totally clinical about it, that's 34 minutes per section. So in a sense, you sort of have to make it around 30 minutes per section. Now, you might finish some a bit earlier. You might go over time, but always bear that sort of roughly 30 minutes per section in mind because if you find yourself going too far beyond that, you're actually using up time that should be devoted to other parts of the exam paper. And in terms of tackling the exam on the day, do you have like a recommended order that you think students should tackle the questions in or should they just start from question one and work their way down? Well, if they were to follow the paper in the order that's laid out, the problem is is that the longest answer that they're going to have to do on the day is at the very end of the paper in the options sections where you've got the four options. The most popular is the geology section. And uh, for some, this is not only the longest answer to give in the geography paper. For many students, it could be the longest answer to give an entire leaving certificate. So it's, it's, um, it's, it's not one I think I would advise to leave to last. In fact, you should consider doing it first or do the 12 short questions first. So if you do either of those first, that gives you a good sense of your timing. And what it means is that you'll know then by a certain time when you're finished that question, you'll have a very good idea how the rest of the sections, the time will fit out for those. So I would recommend doing either the long essay first or the short questions first. But of those two, I would do the two of those, either first or second. And when you talk about the options, what exactly is involved in that? There's four options. Uh, there's global interdependence, geology, cultural identity and uh, atmosphere and oceans. Now, of the four, m- most students go for the geology section. And uh, in fact, the overwhelming majority, it seems, go for it. And uh, it's unlike the rest of the paper because the physical region elective sections are divided into two short essays and an, a, a skills based question. This is a full no holds barred essay. This is something that you'll have to put a bit of effort into. It's divided usually in the last few years into two questions on soils which many might find exciting. But then there's the other part, which is biomes. And that's a very popular question for lots of students because that deals with the natural environment and a lot of students will have done desert or tropical rainforest. So it's a very popular choice. And uh, of those, the biomes, there's two main topics and uh, you're likely to get one of them because there's only two main topics. One is based on the characteristics of the biome, the climate, soil, um, vegetation and fauna, uh, or else it's the human impact on the biomes. And uh, now any student that's preparing the biomes, do not take a risk with leaving one of those two main biome topics out. You're likely to get one of them. Don't take a risk with it. Now, which of the two would they feature with? I just couldn't say because it's too dangerous. But in that single essay lies 16% of the entire exam. The last two years they've been studying, the 16% comes down to that one essay. So whether it's the human impact on the environment, which is going to be you know, very popular because of the whole environmental issues at the moment, or whether it's just a characteristic-based question. But don't leave out either of them. Do both. And also some students might want to prefer to do the soils based questions anyway. And in terms of um, maximising on your marks when it comes to the options question, how do you recommend students go about doing that? The essay itself is 80 marks, but unlike the other parts of the exam, 20 marks actually go on evaluation. So the 60 marks are on the essay 
which you either do three or four paragraphs or what they call aspects. So a typical answer would have three aspects, three long paragraphs. But remember, you're, you sort of have an opening statement called aspect identify, which in itself is worth four marks. And then you have to have eight statements uh, in each of your three main paragraphs. So when, when you are planning or organising your answer, you want to make sure that you have an opening statement and that you have enough uh, point, eight points to back up that statement. But also make sure that, uh, that you have an example from around the world, at least three different examples across your answer. It's worth practising that answer out and, uh, over the next few weeks. And uh, and certainly it's the timing of it will be very important because if you find yourself going past 30 minutes, you become to the edge, the limits of the time you should allocate to that. And you mentioned before about always referencing the question. How important is that? In terms of referring, um, you should always make sure you address the question that's asked. So if the question asks you the impact of human activity on a biome you've studied or biomes, you have to clearly identify the impact so sometimes students might drift off and deal with the causes. So they might talk about ranch farming in Brazil or something like that, so beef farming and the expansion of that. The focus is on how the biome is affected, whether it's the animals or whether it's the flora or whether it's the, the soils or even the climate. So you, you have to address, you, you watch the words that are in the, the, in the question. So term words like impact, factors, causes, whatever words that appear in any question, whether it's physical, regional, elective or an option question, make sure you address that, that's like cause one, cause two, factor one, factor two, impact one, effect one. You always have to come back to the question. Show that you're answering the question. Yeah, I remember being told when I was in school, always highlight or underline the two main buzzwords and always look back at them and make yeah. sure that you definitely have addressed that. I think that's always a really good tip. Yeah, oh yeah, refer to them even if you don't have an idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Just <laughs> refer to them. You mentioned before as well that there is a short question section in the exam. Yeah. Um, is that a short question? Is that random? Is there a theme? Is there a subject to it? Well, it's a skills-based question, but it also tests your basic knowledge. And it's a mix of questions and you get 12 of them. Uh, usually they take up a single page each, so you'll have to go through 12 pages of them wow. and be um, they're very colourful. There's a mix of physical geography, so typically there'll be four questions relating to physical geography. Usually one may be based on regional geography, but you'll get ones relating to the map and aerial, OS map and aerial photograph as well, two or three of those. It could be a weather chart. Uh, it could be a statistical graph interpretation. It's, it's, so, it's quite wide open. So you'll have never seen any of them before. And I think when you see them on 9.30 on June 7th, uh, you might get a little bit of a shock uh, just adjusting to them. But there'll be a mix of very straightforward, but there will be a few ones that will really test you. And uh, remember, it's your best 10 accepted. So make sure you answer all 12 of them, even if you know in your heart and mind you haven't, you've got it completely wrong. There's no negative marking, so make sure that you actually attempt them anyway. In the weeks coming up to it, it might be an idea to even just go back through previous exam papers and just see how, just even do a random test on one of them and just see how you would have done. Even though you might have come across them before, it's just a exercise of just uh, training yourself how to respond to it in the exam. Now we're less than one month away from the geography exam, Michael. What is the most effective way you could recommend students to study for this paper? Well, the thing about geography is it's a very long course and students might complain about that. But the exam, the balance of the exam is in its favour is that it's actually, there's a very good choice on the day of the exam and students generally agree that uh, they do get a good choice. The problem might be how the range of questions might be mixed up 
that might find in the physical regional elective they could out of three parts to a question they can answer two of them and the third part might be something that they're not sure of and in a sense that sort of is, is what you're going to guess there'll be some parts you'll know really well and there'll be some parts you're not quite certain about and uh, so what you should do is work on topics that have come up a lot and that's a kind of central to geography. So in, like in physical geography, landform development, the formation of erosion and deposition features. I mean, that's been on every exam today. So there's a pretty good chance after 14 years in a row, it'll probably turn up again. So you should make sure that you practice those sort of, I, I couldn't call them dead certs, but they're kind of reliable questions. So you're either practicing for them to be there, but you're also giving yourself a sort of a good exam technique in the event that your favourite questions aren't there that you can fall back and you've got the experience of how to respond to that situation. So I would recommend a typical 30 mark question in physical region elective um, it would take anything 12, some may, may even do them about 15 minutes. So I'd recommend taking a range of questions across physical region elective and uh, doing it maybe one a day, 15 minutes a day. And even if you just randomly select them and then answer a quick test on them and in the 12, 15 minutes, see how you respond in that time. And in that way, you'll actually learn a lot more about uh, how you perform an exam rather than doing out sample answers and or taking on loads of notes. Obviously, you mentioned that there is a few essays in the geography exam itself, but how different or similar is a geography essay compared to a history or, let's say, an English essay? Yeah, well, they don't have to... Uh they don't have to have an introduction or a, a summary. They can just go straight into it. So a typical question might say, explain the influences or explain the causes or what are the factors. Um, so really your answer should identify the example and then go simply factor one. So no introduction. Don't say I am going to write about. It's obvious what you're going to write about. So just go straight in. Factor one. Identify your factor. Identify your cause. Identify your reason and take from there. But always try and relate it to an actual example. Don't generalize or waffle as they would in the olden days refer to it as. Just make sure that you're clear to the point. You don't have time to uh, go beyond that anyway. So there's no points uh, or marks for any waffle? No. no. Well, you might get away with it. <laughs> If, if it's relevant. If it's well disguised. Yes. And obviously the big word that all students want to hear and they want to know about predictions. Have you got any? Uh, no. No. But. Or, or, but or, or, or safe ones. <laughs> safe. Like things that you Ones I wouldn't on. leave the house without knowing. Okay. I would call them. So just. Uh, <laughs> predictions but non-predictions. Yeah. Well look there's always topics big topics in each section that are just so big in some sense they can't be ignored and they regularly ask them. So like in physical geography, as I mentioned earlier, landform development, your deposition or erosion landform, you, you know, one of each. Once you even ask, you have to do one of each in each question in an answer. But um, normally it's, it's just one landform. Now, that's been on every exam, that topic. So, I mean, get that one ready. In physical geography too, the human interaction questions. There's two types. There's surf impact on surface processes. For a lot of students, it would be either protecting a coastline or building a dam in a river, the impact of that. Or the human interaction with the rock cycle. Now, they're totally different answers, but there's only been one exam of the present system uh, or one year where neither one of those has come up. So okay. there's a good chance you might get one of those other big topics that a lot of students would be hoping might come up would be formation of rock questions or rocks and landscape. One that I would sort of, uh, a favour of mine that keeps, I think about it nice, is, uh, <laughs> for example, there's a question folding and faulting. I think that's, a, I'd say there could be a chance that, that 
could be there. So I would look over that one anyway. Okay, right, good stuff. Just another section, sorry, just uh, regional geography. There's always a, a common topic is types of regions or the development of an urban area or uh, socioeconomic regions. The economic activity questions come up, like typical ones like agriculture in a subcontinent or something like that. But I, I would tell students to look for population-related questions in regional geography, uh, like uh, human processes or population distribution, for example, a European region, things like that. So they're the kind of ones I'd be looking for. But, uh, you know, whether to come up is another matter. We will see on the day. Is there any final words or advice that you would give students uh, taking the Geography Leaving Cert exam? Well, it, it, there's a still a bit of time to go, so it's, it's really trying to make use of your time. So I would recommend that you do practice tests for yourself, short practice tests, and certainly go over the A questions in the physical, regional and the elective. Now, together they amount to 12%, but if you factor in the 12 short questions, that's another 16%, they all together are... 28% of the entire course. So a lot of people are so focused on doing the essays that they miss out, that a lot of marks are going on, on things that are not essays, whether sketch maps of countries or aerial photograph sketch maps or drawing graphs, reading graphs, practice those. They could really help you on the day. And that was Michael Doran from the Institute of Education speaking to us about this year's geography paper, which will be taking place on Friday the 7th of June at half nine. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. FM 104's Leaving Cert Survival Guide with the Institute of Education. With only the info that you want to hear to help you ace your leaving cert. We're joined once again by Irish athlete Brian Gregan, who's come back to speak to us about the importance of goal setting and how to go about achieving them. Brian, as an athlete, this is obviously something that is hugely important to you. Yeah, uh, goal setting is a vital part. We start every year, I sit down with my coach, we plan out what our goals are, how we kind of operate with goal setting is we start out at the end and work our way backwards. So if our goal is qualify for Olympic Games, we look at Olympic Games in Tokyo worked the way back from there. So it's a vital part of any athlete or anyone that needs to, you know, business people, students, so on. It's really, really essential. Was this always your approach to athletics or is it something that you've kind of developed as your career has progressed? Um, I guess like I'm a very organised person, very disciplined. So it was kind of part of it, but it's definitely developed significantly over the last couple of years, especially sports science has come on so much. So you're trying to gain every 1%. So yeah, it's, it's an important part, but it's developed significantly over the last couple of years. Can you bring us through the importance of SMART goals and how they might apply to the Leaving Cert or further education? Yeah, um, SMART goals are used by athletes and by students. So you have specific, measurable, achievable, realistic and time-bound. So specific... With goal setting, the more details, the better. So the more details you put in towards goal, the more likely you are to achieve it. Measurable is, do you have the right amount of resources? Do you have the teachers? Do you have the notes? So on. How can you track that progress as well? So with the Leaving Cert, you're going to know straight after the exam how you got on. August, you get the results. 
you have achievable is it actually achievable for you not for your friends so people that are going to college don't worry what your friends doing focus on what you want to achieve realistic so it's something realistic if you're struggling around 400 points and you need to do medicine is it realistic to do medicine maybe maybe not so make sure it's as realistic as possible and time bound so it has to have an end date with leave insert you have your start and an end date so it's important to have that or else you kind of lose focus so talk to me a little bit about short-term and long-term goals. Like, is it positive to have a mixture of both? Yeah, um, the long-term goal is the, is the big goal. So the Leaving Cert, the Olympic Games, um, a business merger, so on. And you have short and medium-term goals that are basically bridges that bring you along towards the, the longer-term goals. So the short-term goals provide you with motivation and they provide you with clarity. So it's important that you have your big goal but you have to have a process and the processes are the short and medium term goals to reach that. And how exactly would you go about applying that to education? Yeah, so um, I've done several workshops in the Institute of Education where we focus on goal setting and actually applying that. So when the students come into fourth, fifth year, um, we look at, right, your goal is the leave insert. What do you need to do to get there? So if you need medicine, what are the steps that you need to get there? You need to get the HPAT, you have to get your H1s in every subject. So we tick them along. On the outset, it looks like a huge goal, but by bringing in smaller term goals, you need to get a H2 first in your maths test, eventually work up to a H1. So it is all about bridging it, and it's really important um, in education. And when you're speaking to kids about preparing for exams or other things that are important to them, where are they usually going wrong in their preparation? Um, I would say probably overthinking it. They're overthinking how difficult it is. They need to just focus on the here and now. The worst thing you can do in an exam is sit down and think about the result. You need to think about how I'm going to get from A to B. Focus on the process, what you're doing each day, each step of studying. Make sure you have a basically list of things that you need to tick off each day, each week, each month. So focus on the here and now. Don't get bogged down too much on the end result. Now, obviously, not everything goes to plan. Um, what should a student do when they don't achieve a specific goal, either academic or not? Yeah, so there are only a certain amount of college places and there are only a certain amount of students that can achieve a certain amount of points. So I think that where you go is you don't give up. So if you think that you want to do medicine, there's always another way into it. There's always other courses. If you really want that, keep going. Don't stop. Find another route. There's access programs, there's different ways. So it's important that you, if you really want that, to keep pushing on for that. Yeah, it's the scenic route, as I like to call it. Yeah, Go yeah it might it. take longer. Yeah, do a PLC. It might take a little bit longer, but you know, if it's something that you want at the end of the day, you know, you'll go out of your way to make sure that you get it. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And time management and organisation are two incredibly important skills for a student to master. How is your own organisation and how can you advise students on how you might improve these skills? Yeah, I suppose any of my friends isn't that I would be laughing because I'm the most punctual and organised person I'll ever meet. You know, I have my lunch prepped out for the week in advance. Um, I'm very, you know, it's something I take very seriously. To be an elite athlete, um, you need to be punctual. You need to be organised. Every tiny percentage adds up at the end of the day. So I think um, coming to school on time, being late, you know, it just annoys teachers. You don't want to be on the bad side of teachers. When you get to college, lecturers will notice you if you're arriving in late. Oh, they call you out. Yeah, they will, exactly. Yeah, what time in... do you call this? And you're standing there with the coffee that made you late going, <laughs> yeah. nothing. Exactly. No, I think it's. <laughs> I think being organised is one of the most important skills that any or uh, any kind of business person, any employee or employer is looking for. The more organised you are, the more focused you're going to be and your decision making is going to be much better. And motivation is obviously a big thing that kind of drives all of these things. So what would you say to someone who is struggling with motivation at this moment in time? 
Yeah, I'd say, first of all, take a, a step back. What are you doing? Why are you doing it? And go from there. Because if you're not passionate about something, it's very hard to be motivated. So find something that you're passionate about. Everyone is good at something. Some people could say, you know, I'm absolutely, you know, there's nothing out there for me. But there's always something out there for everyone. When I first started athletics, you know, I had two left feet. I was more likely to trip above myself than to, to be able to run. But eventually, I kept grinding and grinding and became successful. So I think it's the same out there. Keep going, figure out what's important to you and follow that path. You know, someone might tell you you need to study medicine, but you might be into teaching and so on. So find what you like and go from there. And, you know, you can't really go too wrong with that. Yeah, believing in yourself is definitely a stepping stone to kind of achieving those goals as well. And speaking about the topic of confidence and how it's played out in your own career, there must be moments where you begin to doubt yourself or your preparation. Have you ever had one of those? I've had them every year. <laughs> um, you know, last summer I was one of the top ranked athletes going into the European Championships, broke my ankle and, mm-hmm. um, you know, still recovering from that now. I've had times where I'm favourite to win a medal and I've fallen short, missed out on, you know, by 0.02 of a second. Um, and it's it's difficult. Everyone is there to pat you on the back when things go well. But when things don't go well, those people disappear. So it's important that you surround yourself with the right people positive people people that want you to do well rather than just you know getting something out of it for themselves so it is difficult um and you know anything worthwhile in life isn't gonna be easy you know you're not gonna be handed a medicine degree yeah you're gonna have to work for it you're not gonna get a call from the irish manager mick mccarthy's not gonna ring up and say do you want to play for ireland you know, you've got to work for that. So it's really important. Yeah, it's a particular phrase I think that I was taught as a kid is, and it sounds kind of harsh, but nobody is waiting for you. Nobody's waiting mm. for you to walk through that door. Make it happen yourself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And there's always someone else there that's going to fill those oh, boots yeah. because if you don't do it, someone people will walk over you to get that. 100%. <laughs> and how important is it to like pick yourself up after a knock or a defeat? What advice would you give to a student who has had an exam not go their way? Yeah, so things often don't go well. Um, it's pick yourself up it's alright look at there is another route there'll always be as you said earlier there's a scenic route yeah. you can, it might take longer um, mightn't be as I suppose kind of scenic route. it's not usually as pretty um, <laughs> no. but um, you'll get there eventually you know people do some of the most successful people in the world you look at Richard Branson he was living on a couch for years and now he's a multi-millionaire multi-billionaire even so there is a way there's always a will but it's it comes down to hard work belief motivation if you have those things um, and we always say it and you'll, you'll see TED Talks talking about um, fake it till you make it. You know, mm. If you don't feel confident, make yourself confident. Smile. It will actually have the reverse effect. So if you smile and, and think you're confident, you're more likely to b- become confident. If your shoulders are low and you feel negative, you're going to feel negative. So try and fake it till you make it. Keep your head high, keep walking exactly. and pretend until you actually feel that way. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Definitely helps. Well, thank you so much. Uh, Brian Gregan, Irish athlete. Really appreciate you coming in, talking to us about motivation, goal setting. Like, honestly, it was absolutely amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Dublin's hit music station, FM 104. That is all we have time for on this week's podcast. Thanks, Emil, for listening in. And remember to subscribe and rate the show if you've got some good info from our teachers this week. Thanks, Mill, to our guests, Brian Gregan and the Institute's Michael Doran for taking part. We'll be back next Monday where we'll be looking at Irish Paper 2 if there's anything in particular you'd like covered on the show. Whether it's a certain subject or an aspect of mental health, get in touch with your idea on WhatsApp at 87 FM 104's Leaving Cert Survival Guide with the Institute of Education. With only the info that you want to hear to help you ace your Leaving Cert.